G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I said a little earlier in the introduction to today's 2020, we are diving into some deeper waters today, looking into the very controversial topic of defining a man and a woman. Now, it's controversial because... When the federal government passed legislation for same-sex marriage, they didn't just pass laws for what we thought we were voting for, as the ability of one homosexual person to marry another homosexual person. Because the wording in the Marriage Act changed from man and woman, replacing them with the gender-neutral wording to people. And it's subtle, but significantly different. And as you might imagine, and as was predicted by Christian leaders, a movement began across Australia to push gender fluidity. Now, this movement has been riding a wave that blurs the lines between what it is to be male or female. Now, more and more elements are being interpreted through a transgender way of seeing the world. So how does a Christian make sense? of the massive changes that are sweeping the world now when the Bible teaches definitively that God made man and woman. And is that just too simplistic? And what do we make of the responsibility that Christians will acknowledge where every generation models and explains God's good design for man and woman to the next generation? Well, a different focus today as we make sense of some of these issues with a special guest. And as you'll know, he brings a very big and different dimension to the sort of narrative that you hear in the mainstream media. Talking about John Mackay, the creation guy who leads creation research. John, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, mate. And on Friday the 13th, what could we expect except something deep? And particularly in a week where Joe Biden's welcomed transgenders to his alliance and we have all sorts of prisoners being released here wanting to have sex changes. It's a useful topic. And we had one parent ring us up about the problem they had in school with sex change, addressing boys as girls, etc. So very appropriate topic. Okay, let's talk about that uh, that particular issue that arose for you. So you get this personal encounter, someone who says, you know, at my local school, mm-hmm. uh, there's a child who now wants to have a sex change, and mm-hmm. they say, oh, I think I might just uh, ask that, what's that creation guy again? Oh, John <laughs> Mackay, let's, let's ask him what he thinks, because, hey, we're Christians, and we're grappling with this, mm-hmm. and this will be something that so many parents and so many people listening to our conversation today are grappling with as well. Mm-hmm. So give us a little insight into the background on that story. Well, it's one of those things that sort of pushed us to the decision of writing up an answer for everybody to read, which is now posted on our Q&A site on creationresearch.net. So I'll give you the short version. You can see the longer version on creationresearch.net. Um, we've had a build-up in these sort of questions for the past few months, and it culminated last week with two parents, both of whom are scientists, by the way, whose daughter reported uh, back to them that the school had ordered them 
to call one boy in the class she. Right, so the parents went down to the school and said, why are you teaching my daughter to lie? And they said, no, that's just your opinion that it's a lie. And the guy said, well, no, we're scientists. We deal with animals every day. I can tell you what a boy is. I can tell you what a girl is. The male is the one with testicles, right? And he produces sperm. It's as easy as one thing. And, and why are you teaching my children to lie? We're not teaching. Why are you lying about your lying, right? And this guy was being fairly abrupt and, and blunt to them. And the end result is they were saying, okay, we have been forced by the government to if a kid feels he's the opposite sex or she's the opposite sex, they're allowed to not only be called the opposite sex, they can use the facilities. The boys can use the girls' toilets. Oh, sorry, the, the she's can use the girls' toilets. And, of course, the parents ended up having to pull their kids right out of the school. So it's a pretty right at the end of the, the, the sharp sword at the moment for Christians in this country. And you're right, it started out with the Marriage Act that you thought was about homosexuality. Two people? What do you mean by two people? How old are they? Because some people want to go on and say, well, I want to marry my motorbike. It's not going to stop. So let's just make that very clear right at the start, Neil. Challenging times ahead for us. And, of course, then there are all the issues around sport. And uh, we're seeing more and more of those sorts of controversial conversations coming up as we're reading the sporting columns about how different sporting organisations are dealing with these sorts of things. As you say, one of those things that certainly parents are concerned about is uh, for my little girl, who's using the same toilets yeah. facilities as she is? So who's going to be in the same change room yeah. uh, when they're at the local swimming pool? Uh, all of these things are really, really significantly important. And so we have an issue of this confusion between maleness and femaleness. And uh, some people will say, well, you know, surely the transgender agenda has a scientific basis but I'm wondering whether that is the case because uh, there isn't a scientific basis, as you say. You don't have to be even a very skilled scientist to notice that there is a difference between the physical attributes of a little boy and a little girl. Mm. And, John, I want to just come back to how we find a foundation for what maleness and femaleness is. Now, you're the creation guy. We're coming <laughs> to the book of Genesis here. Yeah. Uh, give us a little bit of a, 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 you know, a heads up on what we ought to know definitively mm-hmm. from the scriptures that God tells us about male and female. Okay, a three-step introduction to get to that point. I've just finished some teachers' conferences, right? And the teachers in even Christian schools are facing this problem. And you get the very pragmatic, old-fashioned person who grew up in an Australia where boys were boys and girls were girls. And they were having a transgender argument about who could use the school toilets. And one teacher said, why don't you just look between their legs? Now, that's the pragmatic end of it. But then you say, why are they different? Where does it come from? Okay, then you have the issue of the kids themselves. So the Christian Institute in the UK reported uh, just in September that the girls, even in public schools, were refusing to go to any toilet that a boy would go, oh, sorry, a she would go into, right? A transgender claimed person. And in fact, they got to the point of saying, well, I'm not going to school if they're allowed to come to my toilet. So the kids themselves recognize there's a, a definitional problem here that's wrong. Okay, going back to your scriptures, as I said to the teachers, 
we have male and female for one reason. Uh, in the beginning, God created them male and female. That's Jesus Christ, right? When he's just about to launch out into a, a discussion on marriage. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man will take a wife. He won't take a husband. He won't take a dog. He won't take a motorbike. He will take a wife. And the illustration is right back there in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3 to see what God meant. Now, ultimately, you have to end up back there. You can have all sorts of pragmatics and some will say, oh, but we're evolving. We could be turning into she-boys, right? And there's no answer if you just stop at the pragmatics. It's only when you step outside of our limited human ability, because you and I are having a talk, you don't know everything, and I don't know everything, but the God of the Bible does. He knows everything, and he knows why he created us. Now, there's one other thing I'll throw in, and you may want to take it to, to, to a different dimension. I studied geology. I bash rocks, right? I dig up fossils, and it's interesting to see, is this a boy-girl, a boy dinosaur or a girl dinosaur? Because when you dig up bones, they're not transgender of any sort, right? Mm. You either have males or you have females, it's easy to tell. This criminal who wants to be released, and he's just about to be released, and wants to have a sex change operation, when he dies and we dig up his body, every cell in his body will actually have maleness and will be able to prove he was a male no matter what hormones he took. So I went and I did three years of genetics at Queensland University specifically to deal with issues like this. And I'll be very blunt because our professor was very blunt. There is no evidence of transgenderism, homosexuality or anything in the genetics of any human being. You choose these things, right? This is a question of choice. The genetics is not there. There is no evidence that you become transgender. There's no evidence you're born with a gay gene. There's no such thing. So there's the whole spectrum there, but it all boils down and saying, okay, in the beginning, God did what? How do we know? What has he told us? So that's got to be your starting point in all this conversation. John, I'd be concerned about why Christians uh, get caught into running with the narrative, uh, this whole transgender, gender fluidity idea. And when I say get caught into running that, because in some ways, up top here, they might be thinking, well, I know what the Bible teaches, God made male and female. But somehow or other, I'm influenced by the idea and confused about the thought that maybe as some people say, and particularly a feminist element, will say that somehow or other there's an inequality in that. How do we get to an understanding of the essential equality of male and female so that if we have a discussion about male and female, that somehow or other we're not going to be, you know, feeling like we're taking a, a losing side? So if you think that you're female, that somehow or other you're less than male. Boy, have you just asked a big question there. <laughs> I run a whole 12 hours marriage seminar that you could come to sometime to answer all of these things. But to, to get back to our starting point, when God made them male and female, and then you look at the differences that result and the equalities and inequalities that come, illustration from myself, grew up with a non-Christian atheistic father, right? Now, he was your typical ocker bloke. Even though he came from Scotland, he'd go to work, he'd come home, sit on a couch, give mum all the money. Mum would have to make the decisions about everything else, right? When I became a Christian, the hardest thing for me was to figure out how to be a godly Christian husband, a godly Christian man, because I didn't actually see dad do that, right? You go to church, and to be quite honest, I didn't see many Christian men behaving as Christian men there either. 
They were doing exactly the point that you've made. We, we just do what our society says and we think it's normal. So in America, Christians think God's blessing is to have two cars, one TV in every room and to be wealthy. Now, I go to Africa and it's exactly the opposite, right? They have a totally different cultural perspective. So warning number one, don't adopt what's culturally acceptable out there because it changes every 30 or 40 years, right? So you'll find that if you want to know what a godly perspective is on male and female, you have to become very familiar with God's word. Here's what shocked me about the role of men and women when I was trying to figure out how to be a godly husband. And by the way, I've made plenty of mistakes trying to be a godly husband and father, right? So don't think yours truly is perfect in this. But I did discover one thing. You know that verse in in Ephesians that says, as Christ loved the church, so husbands must love their wives? And the husband is the head of the house? Oh, now I tell you what, Mm. women find that. They struggle with that in our culture. But I discovered what that actually meant. Just as Jesus was willing to give up everything for his bride... So you men must be willing to give up everything for your bride, right? That's what the head, and that's why they are. They, if you think of Jesus, we owe him everything. We owe him worship because he was willing to give up everything for us. That's what love is. And so when the man be, wants to be the head of the house, he actually becomes the servant, right? He is head because he's willing to give up everything, sacrifice everything for the sake of the bride whom he loves. Therefore, she is willing to be his, his helper, his servant, right? So that's what real equality is. You go back to the story of Adam and Eve. God made Adam and then he took from Adam's side and he made the woman. Now, they started out in Adam who was made in God's image and Eve's image is a derived image because they're meant to be one flesh. They're not made separate. They are made uh, from God made Adam. He took the dust. Then he took Adam and he made Eve. And then he puts them back together again as husband and wife. Hence, the New Testament talks all about being one flesh. Now, Adam has X, Y. We still do. You have. I have, right? It's why you can be dogmatic. That, that scientist uh, with their kids in the school could be dogmatic. I know what a boy is. I know what a girl is. I can prove it to you at a, at a macroscopic level or even in the microscope. It shows up genetically. But if you want to put it into perspective, think carefully of God's role in making the man and then making the woman and then make them so they could put back together. So much so, I know one husband who became a Christian because his wife had a baby and he came out of the delivery ward saying, it works, it works. (laughs) Now, if you actually think of everything that needs to happen, whether it's penetrating the woman, having the egg be fertilized, the nine months of waiting, the construction of the womb, the role the man has to do in supporting the woman, it's just unbelievably, complicatedly, beautifully designed evidence that God said what he meant and meant what he said. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about how we define a man and a woman. And why would we be talking about something like this for so many seems common sense when you look at a biblical demonstration of difference going back to the book of Genesis. But of course, as you know, there is a narrative now that has taken to a new level of confusion around male and female. Let's just talk about women for a moment here, John. And just a perhaps... 
maybe it's a it's a sort of a fun way to talk about this, but I think women are going to want to contribute to the conversation too because you know here two men talking about uh, male and female well there might be like uh, there might be a few women who might like to call in and uh, join in our conversation too there is a certain caricature of a woman today and uh, what is it that makes a woman feminine the idea that here's uh, one I picked up from an article I was reading a little earlier someone who's a shopaholic who's a flirt who's disinterested in sports who's preoccupied with high heels and makeup or loving interior design and baking. And uh, the idea of a caricature that somehow or other defines a woman's femininity. That is sort of a common type of way of thinking about these things. And I know that there'll be Christian women who are cringing at that and uh, can't wait to actually have their say. So 1-800-316-316, what are your thoughts around caricatures of maleness and femaleness? Well, a caricature is something where you major on the minor. Right, so you look particularly at the politicians, and if they've got a big nose, it gets even bigger, right? And it's always sniffing for votes. Uh, so you you take a, 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 an aspect of this and you blow it out of proportion. Now, if you think of that happening in your own life, we do it to ourselves. So the woman has to shop if she's going to provide for the house, but then shopping becomes her god. We all have these weaknesses, right? I have to go and earn money, so money becomes my goal instead of providing for my family, right? So these these become caricatures in a real sense. If you want a biblical perspective, ladies and gentlemen, remember what your scripture says, let the elder women train the younger women to, number one, love their husbands, number two, to be hospitable. Now, I'm one of these guys who flits around the planet, except in COVID-19 years, right? And I know what has happened to hospitality. Uh, I used to love doing ministry in the Aussie countryside because the ladies would, you know, even a church fellowship, they'd all bring a cooked pie or a, something like that. Now they whip down to Kentucky Fried and they'll bring you five penny worth of chips or something like that, right? So what you will find is that hospitality as an art for women has declined, declined, declined. I mean, it was understandably, the Labor government wants all the women to work. They're not achieving anything if they're not working. There's one of your big lies. That's a false caricature. Women always work. My wife works really hard and she just works for me in the office as well as washing and all of that sort of stuff. But when you think about it, why do you have to teach a woman to love her husband and teach her to be hospitable? The answer is because women, as well as men, are born sinners. And these good things do not come naturally. You don't have to learn things that do come naturally, right? You've noticed you don't have to teach kids to lie. That comes naturally because of the problem called sin. But you do have to teach women to love their husbands. You do have to teach women to be hospitable because it's an art that's dropping and dropping and dropping. So ladies, if you are older out there, you have a real ministry to the younger ones. Uh, can I encourage you? Take it on. They need to know what a Christian woman is. And they, it's not the men who are told to teach them this. So I'm glad you brought up the women here today, Neil, because the women have a real ministry to the younger women to make sure this is passed on from generation to generation. And you blokes, you need to remember Deuteronomy where it said, when you're out in the field, when you're sawing your, your horse or whatever, teach the young ones, remind them who God is, what he's done and how they should be living before him. So blokes, you are fathers, teach the young men to be godly young men or else all of this, the sexual differences included. Have you taken your son aside and told him what women are for? <laughs> he doesn't figure this out except from television that gets it all backwards. So great question, Neil. There's a start to the answer.
Okay, some response on our Facebook post today. Uh, Michelle says, you never change God's standards, though there are a growing number of Christians who like to pick and choose which part of the Bible they believe and therefore sit in judgment on God's word, effectively making up their own religion while still calling it Christian. To suggest gender is fluid is not reality. Chromosomes never change, even with surgery. Now, there's an interesting point that uh, that Michelle is making here, that if we don't adopt truth as expressed in God's word, uh, we're going to be making up the truth on our own. And so mm-hmm. there are Christians also who are at risk here of getting things all sorts of confusion-wise. Well, basically, I totally agree with that because I come from outside the church, wasn't saved by an evangelist, come from reading God's Word, right? So my allegiance is to God and to His Word, and I study it to find what He says. But I still remember coming with my pagan, anti-Christian, atheistic-type views and coming across some of the rules of morality in the Ten Commandments or Deuteronomy, and, and I still remember saying, God, you know I don't agree with this. <laughs> uh, but sooner or later, getting to the point, in the end, I know you're going to be right. I might as well cave in now. right? And it's meant a wonderful relationship with the Lord. But we live in a day where the Christians are liable to say, well, there's another book over here. And the psychologists say, and Dr. Phil says, right, and Judge Judy says, uh, I'll take that into consideration instead of saying my standard is God's word and God's word alone. You know, solar scripture, we've just had the Reformation Week. That's where all the Christians, so thank you for that reminder. If we add to God's word with new rules about sex, if we try and chop bits off. I mean, I've met people who've had a sex change by chopping bits off. It hasn't changed them one bit, right? They're just a male minus the extra bit that they were given for free at birth. I've seen women who try and do the opposite, but it does not achieve anything. And in fact, I'll be blunt, it leads to depression. It leads to increased suicides because you are trying to be that which God did not make you to be. And you are trying to find your peace and your answer in the one place you won't find it, doing your thing. The only place you'll find peace is in obedience to Christ, whether you're male or female, and then you'll learn what a real man is, what a real woman is. I suspect a day is coming when you say something like, uh, you know, uh, is a woman just a man who's had bits chopped off? Uh, And you can say those sorts of things, but a day is coming when you won't be able to say those things because it'll be outlawed. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, in some places now, it may already be outlawed and uh, that you can't sort of say this type of stuff. And what that leads to then is for anyone who has the audacity to be able to claim that the Bible says that God made man and woman, you won't be allowed to say it. And so therefore, if that's outlawed, that means that there's a censorship that comes upon the pulpit in every Mm -hmm. single church. And Mm -hmm. this has not happened in our history, but this is how serious it is that censorship is likely to take over when people will not be able to say what the Bible says. That's got to be a concerning thing for our it future. It really is. It's not new. I mean, uh, our, our friend who wrote Pilgrim's Progress had the same problem. England censored what was said in the churches, and he was put in jail because he spoke the whole word of God, and they did not want to hear it. We have a similar situation here. I suspect that in the USA you'll soon be told to stop preaching about this or that. 
because the new administration, if it gets to be putting in finally, has very set attitudes on transgender, sex arrangements, etc. In Australia, we're not at that situation yet, but I can see it coming. You're quite right. I've already got situations where public schools have said, oh, we'd like you to come and talk about creation, but we can't have you because we know your stand on homosexuality. They didn't want the evidence at all, right? So it is there already. Uh, John, just quickly, uh, before we get into things, when people go to Creation Research, yep. uh, they can search for yep, these sorts go, of articles. Hit the Q&A button, right? That's the first place to go. And just insert the word gender, and you'll get all of our agendered <laughs> articles that are there on this, this issue. In fact, including the one we just posted yesterday that relates to parents in Australian schools having to deal with girls or their daughters being told to call boys she and letting them come into their toilets so it's really current so that's creationresearch.net click Q&A Look, everything gets reinterpreted if you go along with this popular narrative Mm. that gender is fluid I know you had uh, what was a uh, almost uh, comedic uh, opportunity to sit in on lectures and Mm -hmm. uh, particularly around things when you've got scientists at university level, perhaps they're psychologists, they're talking about, say, things like the origin of sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give us some insights into your experience. I certainly did do a course on the origin of sex and as I love to tell students, it's the most hilarious course I've ever done. But it brings up a massive contradiction in the situation we're at. So the the gay agenda was to get us to accept that they were born that way. There's a gay gene. It's in their genetics. It's not a choice. They have to be homosexual. The transgender tells you, I can choose whatever I like. Now, most people don't even think about that, but that's a massive contradiction. You either choose your sex or you don't. They can't both be right, and you can't have legislation about both circumstances unless you were already committed to having absolutely no rules at all. Truth doesn't matter. And sadly, here in Australia or England or even the USA, that's where this is heading. Every man will do what is right in his own eyes. And as you know, that happened to Israel once and God forsook them because they didn't want him over them. And that's where our society is going. God gives us male and female rules. There's a whole heap of them through the Old Testament. It flows onto the New Testament with marriage and relationships. Abandon that. And in the end, you have no rules at all. But to give you a summary of the course... Most people think, well, evolution, that's where David Attenborough stands up and says, isn't evolution wonderful as a seal crawls out uh, and you, you look at its flippers and you say, oh, magnificent. And he never, ever tells you that really the seal came from hydrogen, which doesn't have sex and it doesn't have flippers and it doesn't do seals. Right? We've got hydrogen. It doesn't do any of those things. So what you've got is a problem here. Evolution is not just about animals turning into other sorts of animals. It's about hydrogen turning, first of all, into living chemicals that don't have sex, that turn into amoebas that don't have sex, that turn into euglenas that have 14 sexes, that somehow turn into fishes that don't get on the land, but in the end somehow they do, and then they turn into boys and girls, all from hydrogen that doesn't do boys and girls. And when you try to figure out how could this ever happen? 
the answer is there's no way it could happen. It simply can't happen. Like you want a boy and a girl to work, you want them to grow into a man and a woman, then it has to be built in. There is no other way. If you're going to make robots to do a job, you know the robot cleaners we have in our house? If I buy a robot for you but it can't tell where the wall is, it's not going to work. It has to all be built in before I sell it to you or you're going to complain to the highest heaven. Now the fact is with sex, the man has to fit in the woman. Think about it, ladies. It's absolutely important. You can't have this length, that width, that height or whatever. It has to work right from the start. Even when it comes to viruses, I still remember talking to a world expert on viruses and he said, we found one good one that looks like it actually tells the lady when she's been impregnated and gets the ovary in the walls receptive. And you think, wow, this is just magnificent. And we're only beginning to find out how this works. So sex is something that has to work totally right from the start or it won't work at all. You don't evolve homosexuality. You can't choose your sex. You are born with it. The only thing you don't seem to choose is the fact we're born sinners and your choices are based on that. So people are choosing to be transgender because they want to choose to rebel against God. Oops, I just got politically incorrect, didn't I? Because that's what these conferences coming up are designed to stop. I remember one of our guys who's been a psychologist for many years, and we've talked often about this issue, and not only does he say you live a life of falseness that denies who you are, then suicide increases, depression increases, drug taking increases because you're denying reality. But he's interesting because he said, I'm not very popular with the other psychologists because I keep telling them psychology, logos means the word, logi, psychology, right? So logos means the word, psych means the soul. The only word for the soul is God's word. So that's what I advise my clients with. God's word. God gives us rules about how our soul should work. Try anything else and you'll end up with absolute failure. Absolute failure, perhaps absolute chaos, and that may be where we're headed. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Graham is on the line from Bernie in Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Thanks for waiting patiently. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are we are heading for... The world itself, our nations and our governments, we were Christian nations, have rejected God. This is our governments. Now, we've got the Pope has been speaking to Mr. Biden about homosexuality, but he's accepting that as a couple, as couples. The church is accepting that. Now, this comes where in Scripture it says, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And this is... Not very far away, this perversion, this deep perversion of Satan upon the nations of the world. We've got to turn to God, reject this and stand for God because we're going to be tested. Mm. Well, there's no doubt about that. I'll add another perspective there that you'll find helpful. Book of Romans. It's been the Reformation month in the last month. Martin Luther found Christ through the freedom of faith that was talked about bringing him into obedience to Christ in the way Christ wants it, in all of the way he would live from thereafter. But in chapter 1, beginning you know, from verse 14 onwards, getting to verse 18, verse 21, all the way down to the end of the chapter, it says, men choose to leave God out of their knowledge. God hands them over to foolishness. But it begins with this verse when he says, and they cease to give God thanks. 
It's a simple little thing. I mean, our nation used to give God thanks for everything. We even had Thanksgiving days. I still remember a few of those when I was a non-Christian, right? You gave thanks to God for the produce. We don't do that anymore. We try and get climate scientists to fix the climate so we can have better, better crops, right? So you forget God, and now we are 20, 30 steps further down. People think they can choose whatever sex they want, run families whatever way they want, and God has warned us, you do this, in the end, I'll hand you over to foolishness. And it's an expansion of what you read back in the Old Testament, where this is probably not going to sit well with some of our lady listeners, where God says, okay, you men, you don't do it my way, the women and the children will rule over you. Now think of our most recent election here in the Queensland if you want to be as unpopular as I am sometimes, right? We have a nation where the women are rising up and taking over the jobs men actually should have, in a godly way, done. Now please don't get me wrong. When women go to the mission field, I will support them to the hilt. And you know why? Because the men are too gutless to do the job, right? And so the reality, it should be a challenge to the men. Get out there and do it God's way, and leadership is one of them. But you're quite right. We are on a slippery downhill slope here in this country and in the West where we used to use God's rule, and we need, particularly in the church, to get back and say, forget the criticism, let's do it God's way, and look at the blessed results. Interesting. I know there'll be some listeners thinking, well, that sounds very sexist, John Mackay. And when we come to a biblical foundation, uh, there are obviously lots of nuances that need to be introduced uh, to some passages that make God look sexist, because that's the way the interpretation comes from, perhaps from a feminist narrative. Uh, but when we are looking into the scriptures, there's certainly a call to look deeper to find out, mm -hmm. as you said a little earlier, and just to keep this image of marriage in mind, where we talk about a woman who submits to her husband, it's because she respects the fact that he is her servant in the protection sense, mm -hmm. uh, and the two become one flesh. So when we can sort of look at some of these finer points, we have to be able to apply those right across the board, don't we, to we do. understand yep. this essential equality, but to recognize that roles are different. Yes, it's sort of like in the beginning God made them male and female. One's a diamond and the other's a sapphire both exactly the same value in a jeweler's shop, but boy, are they different. And don't they look good together, right? So you'll find that you're looking at an analogy like that in God's original creation, but in this case, the diamond called Eve has come from the diamond the hard diamond called Adam, right? So that's what you're looking at. Go to the other extreme. I still remember discussions with young ladies saying, well, we think we should use uh, the animal world is a model role because we've evolved from animals. Okay, what animal? Well, we like the, you know, the 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 the, the big animal, um, you know, that long one with a big bitey head and it bites the head off its mate after it's after it's mated. The female kills the male. We like that one. And I said, well, I like the stallion because he bites the women <laughs> and gets his own way all the time. Okay. And I made the simple point: you can pick any animal you like, and you're not an animal. You can't use any animal methodology for sex or determinants. It's got nothing to do with people at all because man alone was made in God's image. And in the case of here, we need to think, in the beginning, God created. Uh, welcome, by the way, to the ladies from Ipswich. We did this yesterday. Uh, we didn't go as far as we're going today, but it was a wonderful time. Thank you for listening in this morning out there at Ipswich. But in the beginning, God, you know, English has forgotten some things like the word God is a male word. 
in the beginning God created, the verb created is a male verb. And Adam was made in God's image. And there's no doubt about it, Adam is a male name for a male bloke. He was the first one created. And Eve is a woman. That's the first word we hear from Adam. Adam called his wife Eve because she was, you know, etc., etc. So you will find that we've got a very distinct gender role that's built in. We were made in the image of a God who gender is male. Now, if you don't like that, think carefully. Jesus came to earth and he was born as a little boy, right? They, it was easy to tell what sex he was, easy to tell what gender he was. And for those of you who think the Bible is gender-free, sorry, dealing with reality, he died, he was crucified, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he said to his disciples, I'm coming back exactly as I left. He will come back with all his male organs attached. You will know that there is a gender issue here that actually really does matter. And if you're wondering why Jesus came as a male, think carefully. The Bible says, with one man came sin. You ladies breathe a sigh of relief. I know the blokes like to blame you for getting us into trouble. God doesn't. We chose. Eve was tricked. So Adam brought sin in. He's a male. Jesus came as a male to redeem the problem of sin brought through the males. It probably gets you off the hook about blaming the the kids' problems too. (laughs) You can ponder on that one. Let me take you into a ticklish, more difficult question that goes along with what you're sharing here, John. Because while we would say, and the Bible teaches from Genesis, that God is male, Mm -hmm. uh, yet male and female, he created Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. in his own image and likeness. What do you say to the person who says, isn't the fact that God created man and woman in his own image in some ways uh, pointing to the idea that God is somehow androgynous, uh, that uh, he is both male and female attributes? Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, uh, wouldn't there be some sort of uh, fluidity? You can only make that argument if you ignore the historical data in the scripture. So think carefully. God is always treated as male, never, I mean, any linguist will tell you this, the Hebrew language, the Greek language always treats God, Father, uh, Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, never our mother, despite what some of the feminists would like to pray, he's always treated as Father, and he puts into Adam everything. Adam is his image, right? So even the things that you regard of as feminine, the lovingness, the kindness, etc., are first of all put into Adam because Eve is not a separate creation. She's derived from Adam, minus one X chromosome, one Y chromosome, right? And so you therefore find the woman has characteristics that were first of all put into Adam. Right, So therefore, when you say, okay, Jesus said, you will not come to me like the chickens come to a mother hen. Now, Jesus is not calling himself a mother hen, right? He's saying, I'm here to protect you just like a mother hen does, right? So it doesn't mean God's got an androgynous type sex, but he did build all of those things into Adam so they could then be transferred to Eve, right? And without that history, you will mess it up with questions like this, right? You need to remember where all the compassion and the motherly things came from in Eve. They were first of all put into Adam. Interesting, isn't it, that when we're having a conversation like this, which talks marriage, which talks sex, uh, male and female, uh, that this is an adult conversation. Mm. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm, I'm just a little past the Adam and Eve story and the Noah story and those sorts of things. But these are adult conversations too, John, and ones that need very deep consideration from the Christian, particularly the one who isn't going to just say, well, 
Uh, well, man and woman, I believe that's what the Bible says. But for the person who wants to be contending for the faith in the marketplace, mm-hmm. you've got to be across a whole lot of deeper things. And it's an adult conversation that adults need to get up to speed on. It really is. And in fact, to, to turn this around to a, a semi-commercial, right, two things. Um, we talked about Kirillie at Binary. Uh, can I encourage you ladies out there? You'll find a binary website really helpful. Kiralee's doing a wonderful job on this whole issue. I sent her some of these articles before they get published. So uh, go and enjoy what you read on Kiralee. Uh, Kiralee, by the way, is a feminine name. right? So uh, Kiralee is a lady of God and, and doing a wonderful job in this sexual gender issue uh, for Christians out there. Secondly, one reason we started our now very widespread kids books is because the adults actually should have known what's gone behind all these issues, but by and large they've skipped them as little stories that have no great significance. I've become rather famous or notorious, take your pick, for mentioning the fact that every biblical doctrine, even who you appoint as a pastor, finds its origin back in Genesis. Forget Genesis and the things like Paul says, I don't appoint a woman in authority. And then he says, because God made Adam first. Oh, they're unpopular today, but there's his historical reason. Adam was made first. Here's how it's done. Play the rules. It works really well. Uh, And so what you'll find is the kids' books we've done are a great way for you to start on healing the next generation before it's too late. So you can get those at creationresearch.shop or you can get them here at Vision. Right, we you have a lot of our our books books in your your bookshop there. So yes, you will find that adults skip all of this, and they really need to study to show themselves approved under God. Work people who know how to tell the difference between truth and error. And is it fair enough to say that as an adult, and you want to get into the adult conversation, mm. uh, that you might start by how you train your own children, because that in itself is an adult responsibility, and and the sorts of things that you'll find that are unveiled in the sorts of books that we're talking about that coming from creation research will do just that give that foundation so that you can take those to new levels uh, add more layers to them when you're uh, when you're talking about the adult level conversation not just the children's level yeah, conversation there's no doubt about it because like we had two and I've shared this one before I think it was on Robbo's show about two homosexual young men who were given our DVD on are you born homosexual right and they came and said we didn't even know it was wrong Right, like Jonah, Nineveh people who couldn't tell the left hand from their right. Right, that's our current next generation. So yes, parents, you need to study God's word on sex. Don't skip the bit about David and adultery. Even when you're reading to the kids, make sure they hear that this is what happens in the real world. You may have to give them the kids' slight version of it, but you must tell them that that's where things go wrong. If you don't deal with God as authority over sex, then in the end you do whatever you like yourself. You mentioned Kiralee. It's Kiralee Smith who leads Binary, and you'll find the Binary website, binary.org.au. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316, although we're running out of time. Let's hear from Betty in Kalgoorlie in WA. Hi, Betty. Welcome. Hello. Um, I was just sitting down thinking, I think I got a, re- a revelation from the Lord. Every time we talk about this subject, uh, we begin in Genesis 1. And people are getting, like you just say, we want adult convocation. We, if God opened your eyes, and you just, re- just ask the Lord, he will give you the understanding. We move, we definitely move away from Genesis 1. We're in Genesis 6 right now. And it's very scary because back in Genesis 1, how did they contaminate the DNA of man at that time by man 
sons of God coming into women and producing giants. And you read on in Genesis 6 that when now, our time now, how will the devil, we're still dealing with the same devil, but only this time he comes in a different form. How he's going to condemnate the DNA of man now by changing, going against God's will and giving the people the right and telling them that you can change your what God created you to be. It's very, very scary because God's judgment is right at the door for every nation that allows this same-sex marriage. This is right on God's face. It's a slap on his face. Betty, you're making some really powerful comments, in fact, I think, because you're talking about, first of all, and a big conversation, but the fear of God is important because his word is truth. And when you refer to Genesis chapter 6, uh, the top of that page there in uh, in the Bible, uh, wickedness in the world, uh, where Betty's coming from here. John, what are your thoughts? Genesis 1 and 2, a good God made a good world. Genesis 3, man sinned. Genesis 4 on was the impact of sin, whether it's the giants in the land, the flood, the Tower of Babel, plus the need for a saviour. So whenever you leave all that out, you'll try and explain it away without any reference to God's righteousness. But you and I must, Betty, get out there and tell them about Jesus and why he died. Genesis 3, why was sin so bad? Genesis 1 and 2, and everything else will fit in there neatly. Good, 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 you could call. Betty, thank you so much for your call. And we have run out of time. I do want to mention just how people can be in touch with you, John Mackay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things that you say today, uh, just for some people, it'll be the first time they've heard them. And uh, always mindful of that. And when we talk about having an adult conversation, uh, the fact that we have an hour-long conversation gives us an opportunity to go a little deeper than just the shallows, uh, but recognising that oftentimes people are just being introduced to this subject as well. To go a little deeper, you'll find some of those articles at creationresearch.net. And uh, you can search there. And Click I think on it's the Q&A and search. That's on uh, gender, gender, gender fluid. Yep. Yep. Type in those sorts of words. You'll find the articles uh, and some of those things that are shaping John's thoughts. You can also find some other websites. Let me just uh, list these. Askjohnmackay.com. You can find all sorts of great clips with John Mackay on YouTube. And it's YouTube and simply search for Ask John Mackay. You can find John on Facebook. You can find him and follow him on Twitter at Creation Bloke. You can keep up on fossils on Instagram at Creation Research or Instagram hyphen Creation Research. And you can subscribe to a free email newsletter. So lots of ways that people can keep in touch and keep up to date with some of these significant issues. And uh, honour to you, John Mackay, because you're not afraid to talk about some of these ticklish and really controversial issues because as Christians, we need to know that there are answers that come from the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. And these are so powerful and just as relevant today as they have always been. John Mackay, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Good on you, mate. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.